You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Morning. I'll keep talking and I hope you can hear me. Thank you. Uh, right. As, uh, so my name's Tony, one of the uh, part of the leadership team here at uh, Christian Life Church in Hereford. Uh, I'm part of the eldership team that overlook uh, our group of churches. It's just, uh, as always, I always say every time I'm up here, it's a real privilege and it's a real joy to be part of this, uh, of this church and to see you lovely, wonderful people. It's really good. And again, every time we come back, we're spending quite a lot of time in Lempster at the moment, just working with the church there. Uh, we see lots of new faces. And uh, so if you haven't seen us before or we haven't seen you before, it's great to see you today. And if you're online, welcome as well. So as has uh, already been said, we are going to be looking at um, uh, four themes based on Advent uh, as we lead up to Christmas, which is not very far away now, is it? Crazy. Um, but we're going to be looking at hope, peace, joy and love. And I'm looking at hope this morning. That we were... Uh, one of the songs we were singing this morning, wasn't it? The saying, forever the hope in my heart. Well, we know who that is. That's Jesus. Um, so J.R. Tolkien. Yeah, we all know hope, Tolkien. And he wrote this. He said, where there's life, there's hope. You've heard that expression, where there's life, there's hope. But what is hope? What is hope? Well, the dictionary definition, I thought, well, I'll get the dictionary definition of hope. And the dictionary definition of hope is on, going to come on the screen now. It says, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Now, hope is something which, if you're in the mental profession, if you, if you work with people um, as a professional in, in mental health, they say that hope, This thing called hope, this feeling called hope is indispensable and linked to happiness. That without hope, you cannot be happy. There's this whole thing going on. And uh, if you study or been into psychology, um, as a psychologist, people know how important as a a thing hope is and as an integrable integral part of our lives. It's foundational in so many faiths, in so many other religions. It's even the name of Israel's national anthem called Hatikva. I think I pronounced that correct, I have no idea, but that means hope. The Pope, Alexander Pope, our English poet, said hope springs eternal in the human breast. It's a fervent aspiration that we hold when things are difficult and we hope that things will, can or should change and get better. And that's what allows us to face challenges. Hope is what allows us to overcome things we're going through. So um, as with the internet, I, I looked at Psychology Today magazine, because that's what I always read. <laughs> Didn't even know there was one. 
And it says this, but there's an article by one of the authors from the magazine. It said this, during periods of major turbulence in our lives, hope serves as a personal beacon. Much as a lighthouse beckons sailors during periods of darkness and stormy seas. Oh, there's an analogy going on here. Hope is something we all need. It is something that draws us forward when times are tough. So what about hope and Christmas? Because that's what we're looking at here, isn't it? As we look forward to Christmas. Well, we're going to listen, I'm sure, to loads of different Christmas songs on the radio or on Spotify or whatever you download it on these days. Do you know that Christmas is the only season in the whole of the calendar that has its own genre of music? You know, we don't, let's go and put on an Easter song. It doesn't exist, but we put on Christmas songs. It's got its own genre of music. And I'm sure you've all got your favourite. Favourite, yeah, yeah, favourite, yeah. Rocker, I don't know, rocking around the Christmas tree or All I Want for Christmas or I don't know, whatever your favourite Christmas song is. And you listen to these songs and they're great. Pogues. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But what you find is that they all talk about a feeling. A feeling of either hope of what Christmas will bring or hopelessness. It's all about feeling. What you find out when you listen to these songs is Jesus isn't in there. Jesus isn't in any of those songs. Because it's based on a feeling. It's based on a feeling. And that's the world's definition of hope. This modern idea of hope is to wish for something, to expect, but without certainty that it will be fulfilled. It's to desire something, but not knowing whether you're going to get it. So we can hope in something and we can hope in a person, but there's never a guarantee that that hope will be fulfilled. But if hope is so important to our lives, if hope is what brings happiness, if hope is what enables us to push through circumstances, why are we basing our hope on a feeling? Why are we basing our hope on something that may not happen? Isn't that a bit weird? Surely our, our hope should be on something that is certain. It needs to be not just a hope of a light at the end of a tunnel. It needs to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Do you get it? Yeah? So where can we find this hope? Well, the biblical definition, or a one biblical definition of hope, is found in Hebrews 11. And it says this in Hebrews 11. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Certain hope is found 
when we have faith in Jesus. That gives us certain hope. I was watching uh, a little mini-series on Netflix last night. And um, I'm not going to give it all away. But it was about World War II. And it's about um, a girl who's blind, who was a radio operator during the war in Saint-Malo in France, in occupied France. And uh, it's the whole connection with this German chap anyway. And it's called All the Light We Cannot See. This is an interesting one. All the light we cannot see. You see, we see by faith as Christians. Whether or not we see the light, the light is there. We need to see it by faith. And that's what hope allows us to do. Now, this morning we were looking, uh, you know, uh, at our communion uh, service part, we remembered this baby born at Christmas who became the man who died for us on a cross. We also celebrate this man who rose again from the dead, who conquered death and overcame sin. We celebrate a king who is seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father, who has all authority, all dominion, and at some point in the future we know to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That is a certainty. That is why we can put our hope in Jesus. And as we approach the season of Christmas, we often declare this in the carol, the hopes and fears of all the years are met. Well, who are they met? They're met in a baby in a manger. They were met in a, they're met in a, in, a, in a baby that was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. They were met in a baby that was born in a lowly stable, who grew up and performed amazing miracles, who walked with and talked with many followers before giving up his life on a cross to save us. And in one of the most widely read passages of Scripture during the Christmas season, we find the reason why we could put our hope in Jesus himself. There's a passage in Scripture we're going to look at in a minute which was written when Israel was going through an extremely dark time. Hey, look where we are now. Is Israel going through an extremely dark time? The world is going through dark times. It always seems to find and get back to sort of some dark situation that goes on. That just seems to be the cycle that we go through. But many thousands of years before Jesus was even born, there was a piece of scripture that told us all about him and why we can have hope in this particular person born in a stable in Bethlehem. And the piece of scripture I want to look at is in Isaiah. So it's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, first two verses, and then verses 6 and 7. And these are verses that we know so well at Christmas. They're going to be said and they're going to be um, you know, shared throughout the land and throughout the world because they are part of the Christian message at Christmas time. But let's look at it in the light of hope. So it says this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair that Israel was going through at the time will not go on forever. 
The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, to the prophet Isaiah, person who wrote this, even though it wasn't called Christmas, that's a fairly modern phrase, the time of Jesus' birth that he was talking about meant hope. The hope of a child shining as a light in the darkness. And that's what this is explaining. It's describing a light in the darkness the hope of Christmas and the coming of a Messiah or a saviour. And so the context of this is all about the fact that Israel is going through dark times. Yeah, it's going through hard stuff. The people were in trouble. And Isaiah is saying, don't worry. There is hope. There is hope. Not all is lost. Even though you are walking through tough times, there is hope. Now, the beginning of this chapter starts with a word, well, in this particular uh, bit, it says, nevertheless. Well, nevertheless is an, is, is, is can also be used as the word but, and some of the, definite, some of the um, translations use the word but. But is a great word in the Bible. But is a great word because it always comes in the right place. God's but is the best but there is. That doesn't come out right. (laughs) But you know what I mean. You see, when God tells us about something awful, the way we live, the situation of the world, there is a but. And that's how he works. When we are unfaithful, but God is faithful. We are sinful, but God saves sinners. We're in darkness, but his light is coming. In the former time, there was gloom. In the latter time, there is glory. And that's the good news of Christmas, from gloom to glory. What's interesting about this passage is that it's written as if it's already happened. If anyone's ever watched the film Back to the Future and all the various trilogy or how many there were, which gets really confusing, doesn't it? It's a bit like that because he's sort of, it's, it's, it's talking about what will happen in the future. But if you read the context, it's as if it's already happened. 
God has his weird ways of working. But this is the way it's done. It's written to say, no, it's happening, yes, but it's happened already. Back to the future. See, this isn't a maybe from God. This isn't a, oh, this might happen. This is an absolute now. This is God saying to them and to us that their hopeful future in Christ is already complete. The light is already shining. Whether or not they can see it, the light is already shining. The darkness is already being overcome. And the victory is already won. That's got to be good news, isn't it? You're not convinced? Come on. Yeah? They had to see it by faith, but it was there. You see, the eye of faith sees behind the darkness and sees the light that's there. That's why we have to have faith. No matter how bitter or difficult, it's by faith we can see the light in the darkness. And we can either walk through this darkness and just see it, you know, and say, oh, it's dark, it's hopeless, there's no life, there's no hope, I've got shattered dreams, and conclude that there is no God or God has forgotten me. Or we can look at the darkness and go, but by faith, I believe there is light in that darkness. You see, behind even the darkest of nights, there are stars. There is light. You just can't always see it. In verse 2, it says this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of darkness, a light will shine. See, they don't just see the darkness, they're walking in it. They're walking in it. They're living in this dark, these dark times. They're experiencing darkness. And again, you know, many of you today may be experiencing a dark place. You're walking through a dark place. You know, we see places in the world. We see what's going on with Israel and Gaza. There are dark places. People are living through them, walking through them. So we know that the darkness in, you know, is real. It's there. They feel it. They experience it. And they were feeling it and experiencing it back then as well. Yet the hope of Christmas shines a light that pierces the darkness. And reveals Jesus, the light of the world. The answer comes in a very strange form. The answer to the darkness comes in a way that none of us would otherwise have expected. It comes as a child. How weird is that? You know, if you were writing, you know, how to, how to save the world, how to bring light into darkness, let's bring in a baby. Yeah, it's not the first thing you think about, but it says in verse six, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The, might, the government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, when God gave us a child, 
He was turning everything that we would otherwise do on its head. You see, a child, you know, you watch his nature programs and you see the, these, these, these animals in the wild being born, yeah? You know, and, and they immediately can stand up. I've got a granddaughter that's just doing it now. She's 12 months old. As a human, we take a heck of a long time to get to a place of being safe on our own. An animal in the wild has to do it in a matter of minutes. So why would you send a child to save mankind when the child is so dependent on the mother and the father and other people? It doesn't seem right. But that's the way God works. He turns our normal natural thinking and puts it on its head. You see, God has done it in such a way that what we see as weak becomes his strength. What we see as foolishness becomes his wisdom. That a child can defeat evil. Our best plan, God's best plan, was unto us a child is born. A baby in a manger. You see, we think sometimes we can be strong, mighty, we can conquer things, we can do things in our own strength. But actually, we need a baby in a manger. Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So how can we trust this person? This saviour, this messiah. You see, it goes on to say that he is a wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Why? Because that's the person he is. We can trust Jesus to be our saviour, to be the ruler of our lives, because that is the way he operates. He governs with wisdom. He governs with strength. He governs as a father. He governs with peace. And that is why we can trust him completely. That is why we can put our hope in him. Isaiah 9 tells the story of how God wins our salvation. And you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, but my life is hard. Really hard. You may be here thinking, my sin is great. Really great. Or my need is immense. Really immense. But God's grace is greater still than all of those things. You see, it says in verse 7, his government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. There will be no end. There will be no end. When Christ comes and rules and reigns, it will not just be as it is. It will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And grow, and grow. You get it yet? 
There will be no end to the increase. It's not just a, there it is, isn't that great? It's going to continually grow and increase. His rule will be over all things. That is why we can have hope in him. You see, we will never reach the limit of Jesus because he's always growing. We can never reach the limit of Jesus. We can never exhaust his grace. We can never outsin his patience. We will never run so far that he can't find us. We will never fail so hard that he can't redeem us. We'll never fall so deep that he can't rescue us. His grace is growing. It will continue to grow until the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But how do we know this is going to happen? How do we know? You see, you know, we know that history has a habit of kicking us in the teeth. We know that things come and things will change. Yeah? What's, we live in a good, you know, what be good today, tomorrow could be bad. We don't know, in a sense, what life will bring. But the thing is, all of this is not reliant on us in the slightest. It's all reliant on him. It's reliant on God. How do I know that? Because in verse 7, it says this. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. He is the one that will make this happen. God's passion is driving this forward. He's not getting tired of saving people. He's not thinking, oh, I've done enough now. Let's call it a day. His passion for people increases. It never dims. The needier you and I are for his mercy, the greater his desire is to provide it. And that's why he gave his child. And that's why this child went to the cross. Further on in this whole huge book called Isaiah, in chapter 40, God reminds us why we can put our hope in him. It says this. Again, it should be coming up there. It says, this is God speaking. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those 
who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. One of the signs out there, one of the posters out there says, faith moves mountains. Yeah, we've heard that, haven't we? Yeah, faith moves mountains. And I was, I knew I was sharing on this. I thought, yeah, faith moves mountains. Oh no, I'm talking about hope. What does hope do? Well, you know, sometimes faith may not move the mountain. But you know what hope does? Hope helps you go up it. Faith might move the mountain. Come on, if it does. But you know what? Hope helps you climb it. Hope helps you walk through the valley. Because hope is what draws you to keep going. And it's our hope in Jesus as our saviour, as our king, and as God, our father, that draws us to continue going, to not give up, no matter how dark things might feel. It's our faith and our hope in him that moves us forward in life. That's why I said in Isaiah 40, not only can we walk, we can run. Who's tried running in the darkness? You have a habit of hitting things. Yeah, you know, it's not a good, not a good idea, is it? If you're in the darkness, no, you tend to do this. Stumble and fall. But no, we can run. We can run. Because we have a light that draws us forward. A hope that we can run towards. Like a beacon in the darkness, right? Back to that whole beginning. A light in the gloom of life. We have a light that draws us towards our Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. So what does Christmas mean? It is the promise of a light shining in the darkness. A child given to us. And so today, if you feel the darkness, if you're walking in the darkness, if you're weary and need rest, if you're mourning and long for comfort, if you feel worthless and wonder if God really cares, if you fail and desire strength again, if you sin and need a saviour, this light is for you. You see, we don't deserve the light, but we just receive it. And that's the grace of God. Whether we feel secure, and you may be sat here thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm good, Things, life's great. That's fine. Or whether you are struggling, thinking, I'm, I'm in a dark place at the moment. Whichever it is, we need the light in our lives. And God has promised us that we can be totally dependent on him. He is our hope. Paul said 
in his letter to the Hebrews in chapter 6, says this. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A rock solid guarantee. Ever done the old pinky thing? Pinky promise, whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Doesn't mean I'll always do it. God has given a promise, a cast iron guarantee, because he has said it. And it will not be broken. And because his word cannot change, it goes on, it says, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab, grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Is that you this morning? Please grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Hope in God is certain. It is a certainty. And maybe this Christmas, more than ever before, we need to accept with the open hands and empty hands of faith the overwhelming grace of God and the hope that he gives. Maybe what we need to do this time at Christmas is stop trying to save ourselves. And let the wonderful counsellor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, do it for us. See, we can all put our hope in something. But often we put our hope in the wrong place and in the wrong person. So as we celebrate Christmas, as we look forward to Christmas, let's put our hope firmly in him. Amen. For to you, a child is born. To you, a son is given. Let's pray. Just invite you to stand if you can. I'm going to read and pray a very short prayer that Paul prayed in Romans 15. It says this, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that again. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. 
Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, that's our prayer this morning. Not only that we know your hope for us, but that we can carry that hope for others. Thank you, Father. During the prayer this morning, before we started the service, somebody shared about us being a beacon of light, showing people the true meaning of Christmas, that we carry that light. We are a beacon in the darkness. And that's my prayer as well, that, Lord, we will be beacons Beacons of light, because our hope is in you. That we carry the light that you've put in our lives. Help us to carry the light. Be a beacon of hope to others.